Welcome to the Benzo Free Podcast, your home for an honest, straightforward, and personal discussion about anti-anxiety drugs, their effects, and how to deal with dependence and withdrawal. Whether you have taken benzodiazepines, Z drugs, or any other tranquilizers, know someone who has, or you just want help dealing with chronic anxiety and insomnia, this is your podcast. I'm your host, D.E. Foster, author of the book, Benzo Free, The World of Anti-Anxiety Drugs and the Reality of Withdrawal. I'm so glad you joined us today. Please stick around and let me bend your ear for a few minutes. It just might feel a little better on the other side. Hello there, this is Dee, and welcome to episode 98 of the Benzo Free Podcast. It's been a little bit since we've talked. Sorry about that. I think it's been about six weeks since I last recorded an episode for this podcast. For those of you who receive our email newsletter, you know what's happened. But for those of you who don't, maybe I should catch you up a little bit. On February 19th, my father passed away just three months after my mother. We had a memorial for him on March 4th. The long journey I've been on over this past year, since January of last year, of caring for my parents is finally over. My dad, my dad was amazing. I loved him. I got my sense of humor from him. That was awesome. Zest for life. Love of music. So many things I attributed to him, and I'm going to really miss him. Going to really miss him. But you know, grief is a, is a very funny thing. I, I learned so much this past year caring for my parents and seeing them pass. Everyone grieves in their own way. There is no right or wrong. For me, um, mine may be a little less healthy, I don't know, but when I lose somebody close to me, I go into what I call get-or-done mode. Whether it's losing somebody or even when some tragedy happens or any kind of severe thing, I go into this get-or-done mode. And basically that means that I just kind of push everything aside and I get things done. There's so much to do when my mom passed, when my dad passed, and when all these things were happening over this past year, my mind switches into a task mode of just getting things done. What do I have to do here? When my, when my dad passed, I just had to focus on what's next. What do I have to do next? Who do I have to notify? I need to, I need to be there for my, my wife. I need to be there for my sister. In fact, the more people around me that cry, the less likely I cry because in somewhere ingrained in my brain is that I need to be there for them. It's not conscious. It's just how I work. And grief is that way. Everybody handles it differently. Some people are just a basket case for a day or two, and that's great. They're processing their emotions and they're getting them out. For me, I pull in and I just try to work the problem. It's what I do. This morning, I can honestly say that I finally had a good cry over the loss of my dad. I think we're back home now. We got back home this past week into Colorado 
and I'm able to let go a little bit. I'm able to start to feel a little bit. There's not as much to do, and I, I'm processing better. I, anyway, um, I actually woke up early. I've not been sleeping well. Symptoms have come back, big surprise, which happens under severe stress, which is what this whole year has been for me, and also heavy emotions, which again, I have these emotions inside that I need to process, and suppressing those also can trigger our symptoms. Anyway, this morning I woke up again, not able to sleep, and I decided to put on a movie that I thought intentionally might actually trigger some of my emotions, and it did. It's a, it's an old movie from the 80s called Nothing in Common. It has Tom Hanks, Jackie Gleason, I think um, Bess Armstrong, Celia Ward, and um, Hector Elizondo. Elizondo was also in it. But the relationship between the son, Tom Hanks, and the father, Jackie Gleason, there's a lot of parallels to my life that connected with me. And so at the end of the movie, when um, Tom Hanks comes through for his dad after surgery, and his dad looks at him and says, you're the last person I ever thought would come through for me, it made me break down. Because I hope I came through for my parents at the end, and especially for my dad recently. I don't know. I question it all the time. I question whether I did the right thing, whether I did everything I could, and I know I didn't, and I wish I could do more, And, but I, I did the, the best I could, and, and I'm starting to feel it, and I think it's going to get a lot stronger. I loved my dad to death. He was, he was a wonderful man and, and beloved by most of the people who knew him, and it's a big loss. It's a big loss, and I don't even think I really understand what's happened yet with my mom or dad. And I think that'll come with time. But we all grieve differently. And I think the main lesson I got out of this is that's okay. It comes out eventually, trust me. So anyway, the, the, the good news, and even though it's hard for me to say this without guilt of the loss, but the good news is this journey is now easing up for me. I, I'm seeing light at the end of the tunnel. I'm moving from managing the care, managing finances, managing all these things for two people into executor of, of their limited estate. There's not a lot left over for them. Um, but what wasn't used up for their care, there's a little bit left. And so now I'm just managing that, closing out accounts and that kind of stuff. But the good news in all this is I'm back. And I know I've said that before, but this one, there's definitely some definitive, um, some distinct differences now with, with, with both my parents and moving on. So I'm back in Colorado. I'm catching up on things. Um, and I can focus on the podcast. I can focus on another pr new project I have coming out, which I haven't shared yet, but maybe in our next episode or so, I'll talk more about it. I've been working on it for a while, but just kind of giving a little teaser here. It'll be coming, but um, hopefully it'll be something you all might enjoy also. And there's so much been going on back here at home. I finished doing um, peer recovery coach training, which is helping people with substance abuse disorders. That was a precursor that several of us took before we create the module for benzo peer coaching. And um, that class was amazing. I have to give a great shout out to Rod Rushing and his staff who taught it at Embark and also to Ginger Ross at Choices who created that training. Great training. Um, I'll put a link to the, the services in our show notes so you can check them out if you like. Great class. That's focused, focused mostly on substance use disorders like alcohol, Drugs like heroin, cocaine, um, marijuana, 
um, prescription drugs, opioids, those kinds of things. And it includes benzos, but they just hadn't had the knowledge to really address benzos as well. That's why we're helping them. We had started a couple a week ago developing this new class to create a module on benzodiazepines. It's going great. We have an amazing group of people that are involved in this, psychiatrists, physicians, and a bunch of us with lived experience who are benzo organizers, and I'm really excited about it. Um, we're also developing some prescriber ed. Um, in fact, Christy Huff and I are going to teach one of those classes at a Lunch and Learn. These, these are classes provided to doctors to help them understand what we're going through. And hopefully these courses we're developing now will be taught over and over again at different places and trying to get that message out to doctors. Those. Anyway, great, great progress, you know, and I, I love sharing this with you because I want you to know that there is a lot being done and there's things to be hopeful about. I'm, I'm involved in a few different um, papers, um, research papers that are getting put. One is actually currently in proof stage right now on the ben based on the Benzo survey, and it should be published really soon. And I'm really excited that one's coming out. And we're working on two other papers as we speak. So exciting things going on. And that's just what I've been doing with the podcast and doing with the Benzodiazepine Action Workgroup and all the people that are working in that. And that's these are all happening because of these amazing people I get to work with. I'm leading a couple of the projects, but so many other people are leading so many other ones. It's just this team effort, and I can't say enough about the people I get to work with. And that's just our groups. The Alliance is doing amazing work. I know they've had a lot of stuff going on with the FDA and some other projects right now. BIC is doing so much. I keep seeing their emails come out. Um, I'm learning more and more about Benzo Warrior Group and what they're doing and all the other community groups. There's a lot going on and a lot to be positive about. And I just want to get that out there. So, but it's hard because there's still that part of me that it's hard to move on. Um, I lost both parents in the in three month period. And I know this is going to keep hitting me for a while. And that's okay. But I'm trying a little bit on this one to not think about it too much. Otherwise, I won't get through this podcast. So let's move on. Our format for today's episode is all about you. This one is another one of your episodes. I love these when I get to share things from you. Um, you just heard an introduction. And that hopefully wasn't too long. Um Oh, about 10 minutes. That's probably norm for me, even though I usually intend to keep them about five minutes. I usually go 10 or 11 minutes, but that's done. And now we can get to back to you and your comments and your questions and your stories. I'm excited about this. We're going to start off with a couple Benzo stories um, that both of these have a common theme or two. So excited to share those. And then we'll move on to our mailbag, which is really our feature today. Your comments, your questions, your suggestions. Um, and I will comment on them after I read them. And I love when we get to do this. So hopefully you enjoy these episodes as much as I do. And yes, the return of moment of peace. We are going to close out with our moment of peace at the end. We have a full lineup, but before we get moving, I just got to cover a quick couple, couple, couple quick things with you. I can't say couple. <laughs> And that is, um, we'd love to hear from you. Comment on our videos on YouTube, on our podcast posts, or via our feedback form on our website at easinganxiety.com slash feedback. And 
While you're there, if you get a chance, subscribe to our mailing list. That's how you can learn about things coming up and when we have the release of new podcasts and all the other stuff we're doing. And even donate to support the work we do while you're on the website. If you get a chance, if you'd like to do that, no pressure whatsoever. But every little bit helps. And some of you have donated lately, and that's been a huge help. Thank you so much for helping us to keep going. And last but not least, remember that the Benzo Free Podcast is for informational purposes only and should never be considered medical advice. Let's move on. You know, it's been a long time since I shared a Benzo story with you. There are, there are various reasons for that. But, you know, I never really meant to get away from them completely at all. It's just we had a few things come up. Um, some, you know, my family situation happened this past year. Um, some people had some concerns with the stories and just other things happened. And so I steered away from them from a little bit. But they are essential, I think, in our podcast. And I don't want to eliminate them from our, our format here. I have two stories to share with you today, and, you know, I thought I'd stick with a theme here. Actually, two themes. The first is that these are both updates, and positive ones at that. Neither of these people are fully recovered. In, in fact, they both still struggle at times, but they also both speak about acceptance and finding a way to make the most of life. And, and I think that's a great message to share with you today. The other common theme is they are both from Canada. And I always love it when I can reach out to other countries other than my own, which is the U.S., and learn from other people from other places on this globe. So thank you to both of these people for writing in to us. Let, let's get started. Our first story is from Deanna, and it starts out with a setback, but ends with a really positive message, as I said earlier. I, I love her take on life, and especially on this benzo experience overall. I think you'll like it. Deanna writes, I had sent you an email back in October of 2021, when it was only a few short weeks into a severe setback from the antibiotic doxycycline. I was 22 months past jump from clonopin at the time, and had spent a good portion of 2021 feeling healed. That setback hit me hard. I was frustrated that I was once again facing withdrawal after feeling so good for several months, and to say that it was worse than my initial acute phase is an understatement. But here I am just over four months later, and I would consider myself almost completely back to normal. During the last few months, my body has also overcome getting my COVID booster and then getting sick with COVID, both of which I was very nervous to go through. I was worried that COVID especially would cause me some major issues, just as I was starting to feel good again. But once I got through the few really bad days when I was my sickest, my body seemed to bounce right back. I am now 26 months out and feeling so grateful to be feeling mostly healthy again. I wanted to thank you for everything that you do. Your podcast especially got me through many tough days and nights and were a fantastic distraction on top of helping me feel a lot less alone in everything I have been experiencing once again. 
I don't know if it is the end of my withdrawal journey or for how much longer I will have sensitivities for, but I am thankful every day for my healing. This is, this is going to sound crazy, but a part of me is even grateful for all that this experience has taught me. Belissa said something once that has really stuck with me. It was along the lines of, if you let it, this experience can end up being a blessing that sets you up for the rest of your life. The skills, habits, and practices that I've learned through my withdrawal have truly made me a healthier person in body, mind, and spirit. And there is no doubt in my mind that these will make me a happier, healthier person for the rest of my life. Thank you again for everything that you do, Deanna. Well, Deanna, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, what a wonderful take on benzo withdrawal. I love the mindset that you you discovered. I think that is so amazing. And, and what you shared from Baylissa, that if you let it, this experience can end up being a blessing that sets you up for the rest of your life. I love that. I love that she said that. That's one of the reasons why I love what Baylissa is doing. She's doing so much great work. And it is so true. And it is why we focus so much on our state of mind on this podcast. Our state of mind is so essential. Our attitude is so essential in helping us get through this. It means everything when it comes to healing. And that goes along with what you mentioned about having gratitude for experiences in life. It's about finding ways to not only survive this ordeal, but to thrive once it is over. Now, I, I realize that Deanna's gratitude for this experience is very difficult for many of you to hear, and, and rightly so. And we're not at all discounting the severity and duration of benzo withdrawal. That's not what she's talking about, and it's not what we're saying. But despite how difficult and even debilitating an experience is, there is always a lesson inside. There is always something to take from it. There is always something gained. And if we don't learn that lesson, if we don't walk away with that gift, then we walk away with nothing when it's all over. Thanks, Deanna. That story was great, and I'm so grateful you allowed me to share it here. Please take care and keep in touch. Our next story is an update from a longtime friend of the podcast. I, I started corresponding with Trevor back in July of 2019. Well, it's, it's kind of crazy to think that this podcast goes back that far, but it does. We rolled back and forth a few times, became friends, as so many of us do. Well, last April, Trevor wrote back again with an update, and it's taken me a bit to get around to share this on the podcast, as I mentioned earlier on, but I wanted to share it with you here today. Trevor writes, Hi, D. I was sitting here with a lot of time on my hands and thought I would get in touch. A lot has happened to me in the past year. I settled with my insurance company last summer with a decent lawyer and was paid out enough to keep focusing on my recovery. This was a real lifesaver as finances were getting really scary. The things that could get better have gotten better and the things that will likely never get better I am learning to live with as a new part of my living experience. What can you do? 
spend your whole life waiting for a full recovery, or find a way to manage and move ahead with the short time we all have left. I am doing the latter. I really doubled down on my meditation, exercise, healthy living approach, and it has really paid off. My nervous system still tenses up anytime I am dealing with a high sensory input, but I've learned it is mainly a physical response, and that I just have to manage it. Of course, the nervous system is hardwired to the brain and affects emotions and brain function, so it is a skill that needs constant work. There just isn't enough GABA or GABA receptors anymore, so when the excitatory response kicks in, it is hard to calm things down. But I do, and it is manageable. I realize that I am much better off than most normal people I know. The really good news is that a few months ago, I was contacted by a previous employer, went through a round of interviews, and ended up with a fantastic job opportunity. It is a 9-3 rotation job in the offshore oil industry. This means that I will be working nine weeks in Guyana and then home for three weeks, although everything is extended now with all the quarantine requirements. I am just off on my first rotation, which actually started with some training here in Houston, and now I am in a 15-day quarantine before I head to Guyana. It is the dawn of a new chapter in my life. It will not be easy, and I have no idea how I will cope with everything, but life goes on regardless, and I will find a way, and I will enjoy it. I, I haven't been listening to your podcasts for the past year, but when I needed them, when things were looking a lot less bright, I really appreciated them. I have friends that are facing the reality of benzodependence and will hopefully one day withdraw. I refer them to your podcast and website. It is an essential resource. It is a very difficult thing to do, and most people will find any reason they can to avoid it. But it is something that must be done if you have concern for your future self. Whoever has gone through this has done something the majority of people do not have the strength and courage to do, and should be proud of themselves, whatever their current situation. I hope you are well and your situation is also improving. All the best to your family. Happy Easter, Trevor. Wow, thanks, thanks, Trevor. As, as you can tell, this one was written back in Easter of last year. So, But what an amazing email. Sorry it took so long for me to share it here on the podcast. A few things that Trevor mentioned here I just wanted to touch back on. One is finances and how so many of us have dealt with financial complications. I know a lot of you have shared with me that finances are so hard because so many of us lose our jobs as I've lost my job um, and have not been able to return to my previous occupation since then and have lost um, friendships and re relationships that also have put financial burdens on them or have families and other people to support that puts additional financial burdens on them. And this is a constant theme for so many people. And, and it's something to, you know, to pay attention to and make sure that you are doing everything you can to make sure that there's some stability in your life, especially before you start to withdraw. It's just good. It's a good idea to try to have that, to have a support system, to have to have a little bit of money put away if you can, anything to try to 
put yourself in the best position for a successful recovery from these drugs. But I also understand that's not available to everybody. And I really feel for those who are in such a dire financial strait. And I've spoken with many of you. He also mentions about the GABA and GABA receptors and the nervous system being hardwired to the brain. It's, it's constant work. And I think that's a real good point. This is work to get better. It's constant work to get better. As I mentioned earlier, if you forget to do that work and you let some of those ha new habits go, you start to fall back in old patterns, and that can be difficult. I've done that. I'm guilty of that, so I'm speaking from experience here. It's important for us to keep those lessons learned, those gains, those new skills that we develop during this difficult time in our life and keep them going in our new life and keep us moving forward. He also mentioned that he, he realizes that he is better off than most normal people I know. And he said, quote, unquote, normal, just so you say, because really, who is normal? I don't even know who is. I don't know that there's a normal person out there. There is no normal. We're all different. And that's okay. But being much better off is what I try to say on here, too. I realize that I went through hell in benzo withdrawal, and I still have symptoms and complications. That's over seven, seven and a half years off. But I'm better off than so many others, and I never want to presume I'm not. Trevor also mentioned about a dawn of a new chapter in his life, and I love that. I love that this is a new chapter, this is a new life, this is a new start, and that's how I see it. That's how Deanna, I think, saw it in her story, and, and that's how Trevor sees it too. And, and he mentions that whenever, um, whoever has gone through this has done something the majority of people will not have the strength and courage to do and should be proud, and amen to that, Trevor. I try to tell that to you all whenever I can. This is not easy for those of us going through Severe dependence and withdrawal. This is hard. It can be really hard. And so any progress, any place you're in it, and even just the contemplation of doing this, take time, be kind to yourself, and be proud of what you've accomplished. Oh, thank you, Trevor and Deanna, for your wonderful stories and for your courage not only to share them here, but mostly to find the good out of this experience and use it to find and create a new and exciting life for yourself. That's amazing. Just amazing. You both should be very proud. For the rest of you, if you'd like to share your story on this podcast, please submit it on our feedback form at easinganxiety.com slash feedback. And I just want to thank, send my thanks out to Trevor and Deanna for sharing their stories here today. Thank you so much. And now let's move on to our feature for today's podcast, which is our mailbag. Oh, I haven't done this in a little while, so my mouth is getting a little dry. I'm trying to hydrate and make sure everything's, you know, going smoothly. In fact, I'm taking a drink right now. Uh, I have my trusty bottle of water here next to me to keep me as hydrated as I can. If not, I get those really high-pitched clicks. <laughs> For those of you who've ever done voiceover work or recorded or broadcasting, you know that hydration is really key when you're when you're recording. And for me, I have to stop now and then and hydrate and make sure that I make sure that my voice is coming through clear and not with all this extra static noise. Anyway, we're on our mailbag. We are here now, and just like the stories we shared 
this is about you. It's your comments, your questions, your suggestions, you name it. You are the heart of this podcast. I've said that many times, and I believe it. It's not just a slogan. You are the reason I do this. Corresponding with you is what keeps me going. Your pain and struggle, your successes and intimacy with me, sharing some of the most deep, you know, most personal details of what you're going through, and I can share mine. Just that connection. That connection is why I do this. I love that. And I'm so glad when I can do these episodes, which shares your words and your stories and your questions. And I am grateful to all those people who have reached out to me to communicate and help provide content for our podcast here. So, without further ado, let's hear from a few of you. Our first one is first one is too many S's behind each other. Let me try this again. Our first one is a suggestion. There we go from Amanda on our YouTube channel. Amanda wrote the following. My best advice after eight years of Ativan dependency and four years free from pharmaceuticals is if you need the pill, take the pill. It is okay. A day will come when you know and feel ready. Thanks, Amanda. I, I, I think I think she makes I think Amanda makes a really good point here, and that's what I take from this is don't pressure yourself into withdrawal. Nobody should force anybody to withdraw. That's just my opinion, but it's a common opinion in the benzo community. And I think too often doctors and other people have forced people to withdraw when they're not ready. For those of us who deal with severe dependence and protracted withdrawal, this is a significant challenge in one's life. And it's good to be ready. It's good to be invested, to have made that decision, to buy into it. Continuing on the drugs, if you're not having other symptoms right now, isn't the worst thing. Sometimes that's the right thing for some people. Okay? I am not, I got to mention this here again, which I do often, but I am not a medical professional and none of this is medical advice and I'm not at all suggesting how and when you should taper. Okay? I can't provide medical advice here. All I'm saying is that if you decide to withdraw from these drugs, Try to do it when you're at a good mindset and, and it's a good time to do it. And don't be pressured into it if you're not ready yet because then the chances of success will be far less than normal. Make sure that you do this when you're ready. And another issue here is to make sure that medication, that these pills are available to people that need them. Whether it's for a lengthy taper or it's just to continue on the drug if that's a choice that you and your doctor have made. I think that's important. In fact, that flows directly in to our next comment. This one is from Jay, also on our YouTube channel. Jay writes, I am one of many Americans with conditions that have proven life-destroying since benzos have been demonized and treatments stopped. Severe anxiety causing repetitive attacks that get worse until heart attacks occur. I am unable to work, and a simple prescription could have prevented it. Now I have no income and a possibly fatal condition that could have been spotted and treated if I had income. 
Well, thanks, Jay, for sharing that one. That's that's a good one to share, and it's a good one to talk about. I I'm not afraid to you know share these opinions that might go be contradictive to what we often talk about because we need to talk about these things. We can't just push them aside. But he mentions access to medication, and I couldn't agree more with him. We need to make sure, as I just mentioned in the previous one, that those who need these drugs have access to them. And unfortunately, as we do try to raise awareness about the negative consequences of benzodiazepines, we also might be limiting access to them for people who need them. Now, the FDA has made it quite clear in their black box warning that came out last fall that these drugs should not be prescribed for longer than two to four weeks of continuous use, except in extreme situations. So I might disagree with some of the things Jay said here. It's that these drugs can create severe complications when taken long term. Also, some of the symptoms that Jay may be explaining could be interdose withdrawal, tolerance withdrawal. They could be some symptoms that are happening because he has taken these drugs so long. But he also believes at this point that these drugs are saving his life and have helped him. And that may also be the case. I don't know. My primary point here is that people who need the medication still need to have access to it, but we also need to make sure they are educated about the consequences if they continue to take them. And that physicians need to be, have that same education and understand that. No one should be forced to stop benzodiazepines without their consent and without working with a physician on that. That's my opinion, but I just want to make sure I state that. So these medications still need to be available. That's something that those of us who are the ones who are raising awareness, I don't, hopefully I'm not demonizing the drugs, but who are raising awareness about the complications of these drugs need to be careful of. We need to make sure that we are not eliminating them so that people who still need them can't get them. It's, it's a, it's a balanced, um, <laughs> it's a tightrope walk here, but we need to make sure that they are prescribed responsibly. And that's really what it comes down to. Our next one is a question from David. This came in via our feedback form. David writes, A year off. Recent setback. Daily immense pressure in head gets much worse going out in cold weather or with cold drinks. Affects hearing, balance, head pain. Is this prolonged withdrawal or what kind of doctor do I see? I appreciate your answer. Thanks, David. First off, setbacks are a common issue and one that appears in my next comment as well. So I'm going to save my comments on setbacks until after that one. But for the one that David's speaking to now, which is the immense pressure in the head and whether that's prolonged withdrawal or what kind of doctor he should see, this is a question with a lot of symptoms, regardless of whether it's a setback or a symptom during acute withdrawal or at other times. Is, is this benzo withdrawal? Is this caused by my withdrawal experience? A lot of times the answer is yes. And this one, it's very likely. But as I mentioned before on this podcast, anytime you ask me if I should see a doctor or what kind of doctor I should see, I usually say yes. It's a good idea to see a doctor if you're thinking of seeing one just to eliminate the possibility that it's something else. As I've said before in this podcast, I'm not a medical professional, so I can't answer these questions. 
as far as could that pressure in your head being triggered by cold weather and everything else be triggered by benzos? Sure, it could. I've heard of things like that. And there's a lot of other symptoms that are similar that happen in benzo withdrawal. So yes, it could be. If you go to a doctor, will your doctor know that it's linked to benzos or think it's something else? Well, <laughs> they'll probably think it's something else. But it's still good to get it checked out. Get it checked out. Then once you eliminate the other possibilities, you can fall back and say, okay, I'm pretty confident this is benzos. What can I do at this point? And sometimes there's not a lot you can do, but at least knowing it's not something else can reduce the anxiety and the worry and sometimes reduce the severity of the symptom. The pressure in the head I have heard of many times. Many people have explained that in many different ways, whether it's a setback or whether it's, like I said, an acute withdrawal. So yes, it is common in benzo withdrawal, but if you want to get it checked out, I would do so. I would start with my primary care physician and then seek a referral if you need to go to somebody else like a neurologist or something. But that's what I would do. Appreciate your question. Thanks, David. Our next one is a comment from Cindy in Punta Gorda, Florida. This one came in via email. Cindy writes, Mr. Foster, I am grateful you continue to work in the benzo awareness community. I reached out to you and Belissa regarding my setback. Both of you were so supportive and reassuring that setbacks do happen and will resolve. I think it would be so helpful for those of us who have recovered to be aware that setbacks can occur due to medications, stress, caffeine, alcohol, so that we can avoid these setbacks. My recent setback lasted two months due to penicillin prescribed for a UTI. It was so difficult to believe seven and a half years from cold turkey of Ambien, I was back into full-blown benzo withdrawal symptoms of burning, squeezing, numbness, pain, fear, and anxiety due to an antibiotic. I now understand that my central nervous system and GABA-A receptors have been permanently altered due to my encounter with Z-drugs. I know of others, such as Matt Samet, who has had setbacks after seven years. I am thankful you are considering doing a podcast on setbacks. Hopefully it will prevent some of us from experiencing setbacks and what to avoid. And also encourage those that are in a setback that they will be okay. They will recover and probably within a few weeks or months, not years. If I can help in any way, please let me know. Thank you again for your support. I truly appreciate it. Always, Cindy. Well, thank you, Cindy. First off, um, yes, I will definitely be looking at setbacks as a future topic on our podcast, as I mentioned before. So I'll put that in a note here and put it aside so that we will we will focus on that soon. Um, thank you so much. And thank you so much for your email. I do want to go back over it just briefly and mention a couple of things. This had a lot of good information in it. First off, you mentioned that setbacks do happen and will resolve. I think that is the overall theme here of your um, of your comment. And I, I love that. I love that you talked about that because they do resolve. And it's also good to know what might trigger them. I've learned this. I'm getting setbacks all the time this last year because this has been an intensely stressful year for me. But as you mentioned, stress, caffeine, alcohol, medications. I, yes, I've heard a lot about antibiotics triggering setbacks. And these can happen. And it's good to know what they are. It's also good to know, like you said, that they are usually very limited in time frame. It's like a wave of symptoms. They're, they're not a restart 
It's not going back to the beginning of your symptoms. Most setbacks are just temporary. It's just a wave and they will ease. As your stress eases, as your diet changes, as you take better care of yourself, which so many of us don't, like myself, as I mentioned before. You also mentioned about your central nervous system and GABA-A receptors being permanently altered. The truth is we don't know that. We don't know if this is permanent. I still have seen healing at 7, 8, 9, 10 years. People who have come back and said, I am now fully healed. I'm seven and a half years off, much like Matt, and Matt I know, and I've talked to him several times. He's here in Colorado with me. Um, and it's just one of those things where we have to realize that, yes, it's possible what's happened to us can have some permanent damage. But it's also possible that we will fully heal. And I lean on the latter. I like that one a lot better. But I can't lie to you and say that we know the answer. We don't. It is possible these changes are permanent, but I have seen people heal after a very long time who have said they are now completely healed. I'm hoping I'm one of them. I'm hoping you are also one of them too, Cindy. So, and thanks also for such a wonderful email. Um, I really appreciate it, and thanks for reaching out to us. Our next comment is from Charles, also via our YouTube channel. Charles writes, I'm discovering who I am, my identity beyond these drugs. I actually like me more. Some labels I've acquired is gifted, empath, HSP like you, creative, indigo child. If I hadn't been on vacation from myself for so long, I probably would be still down on myself. I'm slowly getting my life back and forming a future. It's been 14 months, and it's amazing how much I have recovered. I'm also working on my original trauma. It's truly a transformational time in my life. So many answers and so much insight. Thanks again for what you do. Oh, thank you, Charles. That was a great comment, and I loved having that one as a positive follow-up because I just love those ones where people just have this positive attitude and are moving forward and are finding the good in all this experience. I really wanted to share that with, with everybody today. I, I love your mindset, Charles, and, and attitude about withdrawal. I'm seeing that more and more, and it makes me happy to see more people getting that memo <laughs> and, and, and embracing it. And as hard as it is to find that acceptance and that view of a new life and that optimism, as hard as it is to achieve that, it's so worth it. I know it's not easy. I know it isn't, especially in the midst of severe symptoms and waves, which so many of you are experiencing. But it, it is something to strive for because it makes a significant difference, in my opinion, on how we recover and how our new life, that new life, not the old life, but that new life is going to be. It is a new life after this event in our lives. It reminds me of NDEs, near-death experiences. Any severe trial in a person's life, whether it's an NDE, whether it's benzo withdrawal, whether it's a severe trauma, whether it's a loss or grief, sets us back a bit. But that setback actually allows us to reevaluate where we were going and where we want to be. And benzo withdrawal is a perfect opportunity for that. 
we have a lot of time often to sit at home and just think about this too much. And that's where a lot of our problem comes. But some of that thinking can be used for good of how to change our life. I, I All the time I get emails that talk about returning back to normal. And I always have to ask, what is normal? Is normal how you were before benzo withdrawal, before taking benzos? If so, was that normal you, the person who had severe anxiety or insomnia or seizures and had to take these drugs? Is that where you want to go back to? I'm trying to focus more on this podcast about moving forward and not back. I understand the desire to get back to our old life. We all have that. I still have that. But for me and for Charles and other people that have shared their lives with me, there's another way. There's a way to move forward and still keep your essence, still keep who you are, but also learn new tools, learn new ways of dealing with life and learn a better way to live a happier way in a more joyful and positive way. No, it's not easy. But like I mentioned in the last comment, it's it's worth the work, in my opinion. Thanks, Charles. This was a great one. Um, I, I really enjoyed your positivity and the fact that you found a new life and, and new insight from this experience. Thanks for sharing that. And I want to close out with one more thing. Um, I'm going to revisit a topic we just talked about. Um, I'm going, to, I'm going to use Jeff's comment to kick this off. He, this one's very direct and hits on something we've just been talking about here. And that is, Jeff wrote on our YouTube channel, three words. Does everyone heal? That's concise, to the point, and perfect. And we alluded to that in some previous comments and questions. And I just wanted to revisit it one more time. Like I said, we don't know. We really don't know. I do know people have healed fully. I do know people who still have symptoms after a long time. Yours truly. But I also know people who have even gone 10 years out with protracted symptomatology who finally have said, I finally healed after 10 years. In my opinion, and I've done a lot of research and I've read a lot of articles on this stuff and I've been doing, I've been living this, this I want to say a different word. I've been living this stuff for a long time and hearing all your input. From all that combined, I have to say, I lean on the healing side. We, we know we heal. I know I've healed. I know I've gotten better. I'm so much better than I was in the first couple of years off of clonazepam. So much better. And I've made some progress in the last couple of years. Now, I had a major setback because this past year was just very difficult for me. High stress, did not take care of myself. So many things went wrong. And so I had waves of symptoms. Duh. <laughs> Why would I not expect to have that? I, I treated myself horribly. It makes sense. But do I believe that now that I'm back home and now can start to move forward and now can start to find a more balanced life, that I'm going to continue to make more progress? Yes, I believe that. I really do. So, Jeff, if you're asking my opinion, I believe we heal. 
do I believe everyone heals to be 100.00%? Probably not. I don't know. There might be some lingering effects in some of us. Some of us may not heal. Some of us have other complications, as have I, that might make this more difficult to fully, you know, make, make it more difficult for us to fully heal. I have to admit that. But I can tell you, I know we do heal. I know many of us are healing. Even if we don't make it back to 100%, we all get pretty close. I believe that if we stick it out. It just can take a long time for some of us. I'm hoping that's a more positive message to end this on. But when we talk about setbacks, when we talk about prescribing, when we talk about all this other stuff, in the end, it's all so that we can heal and get back to a not so much normal life or previous life, but a life and a better life, in my opinion, to a life that's full of joy and excitement and travel and adventure and learning and love and loss and all those great things that go with life. That is out there. I'm now experiencing a lot of that. And as you know, you know what I've been through if you've been listening to this for a while. But life moves on, and I'm excited about this future. I'm excited about what we're accomplishing in the Benzo community. I'm excited about this podcast and getting back to a more regular schedule with it. I'm excited about this new project I got coming out. I'm excited about so much going on. And that excitement I couldn't have had five years ago, six years ago, in the middle of acute. I would not have had that mental ability to do that in the middle of acute, severe withdrawal. So I've made progress. I am healed significantly from where I was. I still have a ways to go. But it does get better. That's my main message here is it does get better. You won't be where you're trapped right now forever. It just may take a while. Anyway, I wanted to close on that note. I thought that was a good note to kind of put out there. I'm just always trying to provide some positive feedback and some motivation and and so you all understand, it's like our, our brains can lie to us in this process. And that's one of the things we face so often. It can lie to us. And it does frequently. It tells us that life is over, that this has destroyed my life. Life will never be. And those are lies. And that's that Gabri scepters, that's, that's the negativity hitting with us. And we no longer can calm ourselves when we get those messages. So our brains run with those messages and that irrational side of us just runs with it and runs with it. And we have no calming mechanism to slow that down and say, wait a minute, does this make sense? And that's why hopefully I'm here and other people working in the Benzo community are here is to help that irrational side of you that is so prevalent in, in the severe stages of withdrawal to help you understand. It's like, don't, don't listen. That part of your brain is extreme, is irrational, is emotional. And it's one of those things that is just going to go free range because nothing is slowing it down. And it's important to try to step back, take a look at those thoughts you're having and realize hmm, this really doesn't make sense. You know, life was good before. Life can be good later. I'm going to get better. Right now it's a setback, but I'm going to get through this. It's important to have that mindset. It's important to have that attitude. It's important to find a way to manage this experience as 
positive and I can't think of the other word, but you know what I'm trying to say. You know what I'm trying to say. This is a hard experience, but you can come out of it better than you went in. And as we shared some stories today and some um, emails and comments today, you've heard from others who have done just that, which means you can too. And we're here to help you. Thank you so much for your comments and questions, and please feel free to reach out um, via our feedback forum at easinganxiety.com slash feedback on our YouTube channel or other places where you find us. And now, before we get to our moment of peace, please allow me just 25 seconds for our disclaimer. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered medical advice in any way. The host of this podcast is not a medical professional, nor is he engaged in rendering medical health or psychological advice nor any other kind of personal professional services. The views and opinions expressed by our listeners and interview guests on this podcast, whether read from textual submissions or presented in their own voice, do not necessarily reflect those of the Benzofree podcast or of its host. Withdrawal tapering or any other change in dosage of benzodiazepines, non-benzodiazepines, or any other prescription drugs should only be done under the direct supervision of a licensed physician. Our full disclaimer can be viewed on our website at benzofree.org slash disclaimer. And that brings us to our closing, our moment of peace. It's just one minute and it's an opportunity to quiet your mind a bit before you return to the chaos of the real world. Please remember that you should only do this if you are in a safe place where you can close your eyes, relax, and let the world pass by without you for a minute. Today we fall back on our old standard breathing meditation. We haven't done this one in a while, so I think it's time to remind ourselves. This is probably the simplest form of meditation. You just focus on your breath, breathing in, breathing out. Don't try to control it, just focus on it and allow your mind to clear of other thoughts. That's it. It's really that simple. Let's get started. Close your eyes and relax. Take a deep breath in. Hold it for a second and let it out slowly. Let's do that again. Take a deep breath in. Hold it for a second and let it out slowly along with all the stress of the day. One more time. Take a deep breath in. Hold it for a second and let it out slowly relaxing your entire body. Now just breathe slowly and naturally and focus on your breathing. If your mind wanders, just gently bring it back to your breath. No judgment whatsoever. Continue to do this for one minute.
Our next scheduled episode is episode 99, and it will be released in early April. Thank you again for joining me today, and please, let us know how we did. Keep calm, taper slowly, and take care of yourself. I'll see you next time.